Order. Order in the court. Order in the goddamn court. Sir, you're out of order. All right. All right. Swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. I do. How do you plead? Guilty or not guilty? All guilty, but with a real good excuse. What is up, Spurs Nation? Thank you for tuning in to the first ever Order on the Court mailbag edition where you get your voice heard from a group of people who know their stuff about the Spurs. First on our panel today is uh, Destin. You might know him from YouTube, from Instagram, uh, Spurs Wave on Instagram, Clan the Spurs Fan on YouTube. Destin, what's up, man? What's good, man? What's good? I'm excited. I'm excited too, man. It's good. Let's get this thing going. Uh, we also have Harrison representing the voices at Spurs Fan Talk, the Facebook page. If you're not subscribed to that page, you need to go get your voice heard. What is up, Harrison? Yeah, let's go, man. Subscribe to all of us, though. <laughs> Absolutely. All of us, right? Spurs Nation represent together. And last but not least, we have Maddie from Spurs Blog on the show. What is up, Matt? What's up, man? Okay, how this show is going to work. We each pulled out a few questions of our own from our individual platforms from our own mailbags, if you will, to be discussed here today, right now, for you, for Spurs Nation. So I will lead us off. Um, Bucking Spurs, that's where, that's where you guys know me from. We have a question today. Are our young guys ready for post-DeMar DeRozan and post-LaMarcus Aldridge? And this question is brought to you by Mr. Sims Jr. Simmons Jr. on Instagram. All right, so first, let me just throw it to you, Matt. Matt, what are your thoughts about our young guys, are they able to step up, be playoff competitive if our two all-stars, former all-stars, are gone? Yeah, you know, this is something Spurs fans have been wanting to see a lot this year, and I think we'll see a lot more of next year, regardless of, um, you know, where DeMar and LaMarcus are in regards to our team. Um, I think they have a great opportunity to step up. I think they will step up to the challenge. You know, I'm excited for Lonnie's potential. I'm excited for... Uh, DeJounte and Derek, obviously in the backcourt. I'm also very excited for Keldon and Luca and even Quindary. So the rookie trio from this year, I think will have a big opportunity to step up. Um, you know, who's going to step up and how much remains to be seen. I don't think they're really capable of carrying a team to the playoffs just yet, but you know, if you want to kind of build around them, then you kind of need to go through those growing pains at first. So I think, you know, just letting them step up to the challenge and, taking on the bigger roles and just seeing how they grow, how they'll grow next year is going to be a big stepping point for this franchise. Yeah. And seeing players step up and, and take the challenge is probably one of the more exciting things that we haven't been able to see for a long time because we've always just been so veteran heavy, heavy, big three. Also, we don't really have a lot of youth. So it's exciting for us. Harrison, what do you think on our young guys being ready to, to take over post uh, DeMar and LaMarcus? Well, I'm kind of a similar boat as Matt. Um, we saw Murray to an extent at the beginning of the season. Of course, it wasn't really looked at because people were so intent on scrutinizing DeRozan and his slow start of the season. But Murray was averaging about 18, 8, and 6 to start the year. I mean, that's, that's all-star numbers right there. Uh, so he's proven he can be effective when he's the guy facilitating. He's the guy running through the offense. We've seen what Derek White can do when the other All-Stars aren't really producing at the highest level they can last season. I mean, he put up, what, 40 and a 30-some in the playoffs? I mean, and that's as a, essentially a rookie. He didn't play the year before much. But uh, to Matt's point, I don't think they're quite at the carrying level yet. But I do think 
they could be a playoff team. I, I don't think we need to be carried so much. You look at 2014, yeah, we did have the big three, but you had Tony, you know, he, I guess he was an MVP candidate a few years prior, still a very good player, but not an all-star caliber. You know, Manu getting old, not all-star caliber still. Duncan, very good still. Um, and then you have a really young Kawhi Leonard who's a shell of what he is now. So we got through that championship by playing as a team, playing together. And I think if they were to bring in, you know, one or two vets free agent-wise just to kind of mentor the young guys along with Patty Mills, I do think they're pretty capable of making at least a run until the young guys are ready to carry it all that load. Yeah, absolutely. And are these guys going to be able to get that type of reps in order to grow, make that growth with these two guys here is like the biggest question I think that all of us have in our minds. Uh, so Destin, what uh, to round out this question, what is your thoughts on our young bucks? They ready? I mean, as far as like, are they ready? I mean, I don't even think LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan are really ready to do anything. And, you know, they're, they're veterans. I mean, as far as what they're ready to do, if you're saying like lead us to the playoffs, I, I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeRozan barely done that. So are they ready? I would much rather put my faith into like Lonnie Walker because he obviously has a clutch gene Um, and Keldon Johnson, which I think that he's, Already, he plays like a veteran at times. Um, he's still, of course, extremely young, but he plays like a veteran. And then, as far as um, Derek White, we know uh, what Derek White can do. So, uh, and we know that he plays like a veteran already. Um, Dejounte Murray, I also think Dejounte Murray by next season he'll be on another on another level. Uh, so, as far as are they ready? I think they're more ready than anything else we've had the last couple seasons um I mean we have not looked that great (laughs) at all and the last time that we did look great was when we had Kawhi and when he went down we got swept you know no one no one really I mean especially Marcus Aldridge he didn't step up at that point so as far as you know are they ready without these two guys I mean my question would be like what what did we really have before that so yeah, I, sure. I guess they're ready. So yeah. I'll, I'll go with that. Okay. Well, I think that there's something that we need to keep in mind here. And y'all tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. If if we do make that transition to the younger players, we're gonna start we're gonna start seeing a very I would expect that we would start seeing a very different style of basketball. I don't see us playing this inside out mid-range assassin style of play with our young guys if they're ready. Um when they are ready. I, I see a lot more 2014 move, move, drive, kick, pass, pass, you know, pe- penetrate and dish, um, you know, good to great. When is the last time we saw good to great in San Antonio? It's been a little while. Um, but here's the question I want to ask you guys. And be honest. Is a season of growing pains with the young group, do you think that's going to be harder, just as hard as this season, or easier to endure as a Spurs fan? than what we had to this year. Uh, Harrison, we'll, we'll throw it to you first. It's tough because I can tell you right off from a lot of the stuff we've seen on our page, nobody <laughs> in any capacity. I mean, we had when we had our 67 wins, we lost 15 games and people were still mad about those. Um, but 
I'm going to go ahead and say a tad easier because I think what's bugged people the most this season is we're losing and they're wondering, you know, where does it go from here? Uh, what happens? Are we going to stick with the same formula? Are we going to change it? But doing that, they can see a change that we're at least trying to make. They can see young guys progress throughout the season. Um, we bring, bring up Kelvin Johnson. I think it's easiest to watch football to look at Kentucky. There are a lot of freshmen that go to that program, and at the start of the year, they struggle. I mean, two years ago, they got absolutely annihilated by Duke in their first game. But by the end of the year, they're a championship contender. And I think San Antonio, maybe not as fast as Kentucky does it, but uh, I do think if they get the young guys in there learning from actual NBA experience, people will notice measured improvement by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And looking back at that season, it won't be so tough as it was with this one. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, Matt, Matty, do you think a young buck-led Spurs team can win 26 games? Oh, I think I think you're. Uh, let me see. Let me. I think you're muted really quick. There you go. We good? Yeah, we good. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I, I definitely think they're very capable of winning 26 games, and it's kind of just like Harrison said, and a lot of Spurs fans have you know you see on social media after like every loss, it's like. Why are we giving, you know, 15 plus 20 plus minutes to these veterans that are have no, you know, place on this team in the future? You know, like Marco Bellinelli and Rudy Gay, then Marcus Aldridge getting, you know, 30 plus minutes. And then we got guys like Luca, Keldon, Lonnie, um, and then, you know, even DeJounte and Derek only getting like 20 minutes just rotting on the bench. I mean, it makes no sense. Like if we're going to lose, you know, at least we can like lose with a purpose and get reps and minutes to the young guys. You know, it's like Andy from the uh, the office when he's like, you know, I think I'm going to fail upwards today. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of the same thing, you know, same, yeah. same idea. And so, you know, every, every time we lost a game and DeMar had like 20 something, Lamar said 20 something in 30 plus minutes, it just felt like a wasted game. It just, it just felt yeah. like it was a complete waste of time. Like we didn't gain anything out of it. So, you know, I, if, you know, we do give the reins to the young bucks next year and they do, kind of take up that leadership role and we we probably will lose a lot of games like this year you know will it be easier for first fans I think you know it won't be as fun but I think it will be definitely easier on us saying kind of like you know this is you know this is what we wanted you know we wanted the young guys to take the you know take the wheel and we wanted them to lead this team so it's just kind of a part of the process and you know if that's what fans truly want then you know I hope they're ready for that yeah absolutely um Mr. Simon Jr., I think that's the name of the guy who posted this comment. Just want to correct that really quick. Mr. Simon Jr., you've been you've been a diehard since day one for Bucking Spurs. We appreciate you joining our mailbag and submitting your question. Uh, Spurs Nation, we, we always do this for you. So let's go ahead and move on to the next question. We're going to do a question here from Spurs Fan Blog. That's from Camo Spurs Fan. Um, and the question is, where do you rank Tim Duncan all time? I thought this was appropriate, you know, just – you know, he just got inducted to the Hall of Fame. We're talking about all-time level talent. And, you know, so, Destin, I want to throw this one to you first. Um, where does Tim Duncan rank on your all-time? Uh, all-time greatest players? Yeah, I think that's what the question is asking, yeah. Yeah, he's he's always, in my opinion, always been third. I always had uh, Michael Jordan and then Kobe and then Tim Duncan. Uh, but then again, that's – that's based on my experience. I know other people might say, you know, Kareem or something like that, but just seeing what Tim Duncan brought to the Spurs, just how we were always, we were always a winning franchise technically, but when he came in, he just transformed the entire, you know, scope of what we will become or what we're expecting from players 
on out, you know, and, and he's one of those guys where I, I think that it takes a lot for somebody to be as great as he was and then have so much of a little ego. Because if it wasn't for Tim Duncan, you know, we wouldn't have the type of talent or people coming to San Antonio and just going with the system and believing in it. It's, it's been all him. And even in the future, if we're talking about, like, who's going to be the future coach, I mean, it will probably be Tim Duncan, you know, and, and him having that legendary status will really help us as far as our, uh, you know, as far as the young guys coming in. So I just think Tim Duncan has helped affect so much in the NBA. Um, and to be that great with such little ego, I think that's, that's tremendous. You know, his, his accolades speak for itself. So in my opinion, he's, he's third on my list. Third. I like it. I like that. I'm not, I'm not going to argue with that one. Maddie, uh, this is your question. Comes from your blog. Uh, he's in a league of his own, but where do you put him all time? Yeah. I mean, I agree obviously with a lot of what Destin said. Um, you know, when you talk about all time grades, you know, it's a pretty subjective opinion based on what your metrics are, you know, are you using points, accolades, titles, you know, longevity, all that stuff. And, you know, I think Timmy's one of those guys that just checks every box and, you know, to continue on the point of, you know, the ego, you know, the lack or lack of, I mean, how many of the superstars, you know, where people talk about, you know, top 10, top 20 of all time that didn't have an ego. I mean, you know, you can't, there's nobody else on there on that top 10 list, you know, no matter who is on there that, you know, didn't have an ego. And if it wasn't for that, you know, we wouldn't have been able to have sustained success for two decades. And if you really think about it, I mean, in the modern era of basketball, we've never seen anything like it. You know, we've never seen anything like it. The pay cuts, you know, the, you know, accepting that, you know, he wasn't the offensive firepower. He was in the early 2000s and that allowed us, you know, to hand the, you know, the reins to guys like Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green in his latter years that really, you know, gave us that championship in 2014. And, you know, just speaking as a basketball player myself, you know, I've, I've been, I've had the luxury of being on some really good teams. And when you have, when your best player is, you know, the most humble and the most willing to take a punch from the coach, I mean, you're not going to talk back to the coach. If your best player, the franchise player, is, you know, willing to take that, you know, a face burger in the sideline of the middle of a nationally televised game, playoff game, finals game, whatever, I mean, you, you sure as heck aren't taking – you sure as heck aren't talking to, uh, back to any coach or any player. I mean, it's it's not a stat you can measure either. So, you know, I – where I would put him, you know, again, you get into subjective, you know, opinions with that, but I definitely – think he's a top five player i'd put him i put him around three or four too awesome all right uh harrison we got you um man our our our, our i'm sure all of us here our our love runs deep like it runs deep for tim duncan because of everything you guys just said you know he's the rock he's the guy he's the reason why we go spurs go you know so often versus what we did this year right and um harrison i just want to ask you not only where you know, does he rank on your all time? But, you know, like with the, him being inducted into the Hall of Fame, I mean, I'm sure that means something to all of us. But why don't you tell us a little bit about where he ranks all time and kind of what that meant for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in agreement with everybody else. Um, I don't know if I can put a specific number on it uh, just because I feel like the three to five spots are so interchangeable just for different reasons. But he's in there. He's top five. Um, I think what sells me, and I saw, I don't remember who it was, but it was an ESPN writer tweeted out today that if Tim Duncan had had the exact same career that he had in San Antonio in a big market like New York, he would unquestionably be a top three player of all time. And, and to me, that 
heightens his legacy more for me because he did it in a small market like we talked about he took pay cuts he wasn't loud and blabbing about his accomplishments he didn't have media lauding him all the time and the Spurs are now in the media because uh everyone's wondering is their playoff streak gonna end why do they stink so bad that's because of him yeah (laughs) they're so good because of him I mean he didn't see a season with fewer than 50 wins Uh, he didn't miss the playoffs once I mean, five-time champion, you have to talk about Kobe's stretch of dominance and Shaq from 2000 to 2003. Well, yeah, he was dominant. Duncan won two MVP awards in that stretch, though. So, I mean, he was still pretty dominant, too. He just didn't have that uh, beta dog to him as Robinson was aging. So, yeah, definitely top five, no question. Yeah, absolutely. I think I would agree with you guys. Top five, hands down. Uh, Him getting into the Hall of Fame, uh, I mean, it was ob- obvious, right? I mean, all all those guys, him, KG, Kobe, it's all obvious. But, I mean, for us, like you said, he stayed with us for, for 20-some-odd years. He won a championship in three different decades in 99, you know, the, in the 90s, the 2000s, and 2010s. Uh, that's unheard of. It's unrealistic. If someone told you, hey, someone's going to win – win a championship in three different decades in the future, you say, yeah, 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 right. You know, and be dominant the whole time. It's just insane. Shout out to Timmy, big Timmy for, for everything he's done for us in San Antonio. Um, and for everything he's done for us this season on the bench as a coach. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to the next question. We're going to, all right. So the next question that we're going to go to comes from the San Antonio Spurs talk Facebook page. And the question is, can the Spurs get Christian Wood? Christian Wood. I have to admit, not familiar on who Christian Wood is, but this offseason is crucial. This draft is crucial. What free agents moves? What free agents? Uh, what free agent moves we do in this offseason are huge. Harrison, why don't you give us a lowdown on Christian Wood? Yeah, so Christian Wood, I believe he's a four-year vet at this point. Uh, he's bounced around between a couple of teams. The Sixers had him. Uh, the Bucks had him. Pelicans had him earlier this year and decided to make room for Zion, getting rid of him. Essentially, the Pistons picked him up when he was waived by the Bucs. He's averaging about 10 points, six rebounds this year. But since the Pistons traded Andre Drummond to the Cavs, he's just gone off. He's It's night in, night out, 20 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, a couple blocks in there. Uh, he's a 6'10 guy with mobility. He's the dream in the modern league, not to mention he hits 40% of his threes. So uh, he's on a bargain deal right now at $3 million. The Spurs can get him, but it's going to come at a cost of some other players just with market value. Um, the one thing that could happen is DeRozan could feasibly uh, opt out of his player option, and then there's $27 million in cap space to play with. Uh, I think his deal is probably going to be somewhere at a minimum $10 million a year range, probably a max at fifteen. Uh, so if you could offer him about 11 to 12, just kind of secure that. I think they could get away with it. The problem there is you're looking at possibly not being able to offer Jakob Pertl. Uh You're going to have to get rid of Bellinelli, which I think a lot of people are fine with. Uh, you're looking at not being able to qualify offer Bryn Forbes, and uh, it's going to really restrict you with the rest of your free agents should DeRozan opt in. But it is feasible, and he would be a great fit. All right, awesome. Uh, that's a good intro on a little bit of Christian Wood. Uh, Maddie, what's your take on Christian Wood? Yeah, I mean, Harrison put everything perfectly right there as far as, you know, how feasible it is and how realistic it is, you know, with the cap space and DeMar situation. Uh, just to talk about Christian Wood a little more in detail, though. So, I, you know, I live right outside Milwaukee. I got a lot of friends here in Wisconsin who are huge Bucks fans, and he was on 
their G League team uh, last year, and he was just a beast. I personally didn't watch him. Like, I don't watch the Bucks G League team, but my friends do. And when they got rid of him, they were furious. They wanted him on the Bucks last year. They wanted him to keep. They wanted the Bucks to keep him and sign him. Um, you know, this isn't to say he's you know he's going to turn into you know a Tim Duncan legendary player, but you know I, I agree with Harrison. Three million a year is an absolute steal for that guy. So he's gonna you know he's gonna get a big payday this year, I believe. Whoever you know he signs with. So I yeah, like you said, he can do it all. He can score at the rim. He can shoot the three. He can block. He can defend the paint. He can do it all. Just a perfect modern day big so you know if the Spurs can get him I'd be elated but you know it's going to depend on obviously what DeMar does and you know, whether or not he opts in or out is really going to make a, a big impact on our free agency this offseason yeah uh absolutely man I I, I kind of like the idea of you know we we do that all the time we find talent that's kind of hidden you know and we turn it into what it needs to be for us to be successful and I think you know Christian Wood can be that type of guy, to be honest, I don't, <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of film on Christian Wood, so I don't, can't give you too much of an in-depth analysis on him. Uh, Destin, you know anything about Christian Wood? I, I do not, but based on what you guys said, he sounds amazing. So I'm, I'm down for it. Uh, it looks like we're kind of going in a direction where we're trying to get, um, or develop, you know, power forwards or, you know, those, those skillful bigs. So if you guys are saying that he's, skillful and he can shoot outside shots and attack the paint and aggressive I mean I'm I'm all for it especially if we can get him for a good price so yeah I'm down for it yeah me too and I mean I'll throw in another young buck with with Drew Banks and Chizem, uh, Chemezi and and Jakob um can we have them all there at the same time I have no idea but we're gonna go ahead and keep this one moving uh, our next question comes from Spurs Wave on Instagram uh, and the question is, what do you think the Spurs need to do this offseason? So, Destin, we'll keep it right here with you. Uh, some of our offseason priorities on our agenda, you know, as soon as that final buzzer goes off on the season, if it ever does go off, you know, we're all waiting on that. Um, what do you think's the number one, two, three things that the Spurs need to address going into this offseason? It's, it's, so, it's so tough. Uh, I would say just me personally, my personal opinion, is I would say go after a center at some point, maybe a center or, or just a big man in general. Um, and you guys mentioning Christian Wood, um, that's that's fine with me because at this point we know LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, is on his way out. You know, either he finished off his contract and he leaves back to Blazers or however they do it. Um, but we know that he's he's on his way out. Uh, so I would say that that would be probably the number one priority. Um, because it was blatantly obvious this season that it's, it's kind of Jakob or, or Bus as far as our centers. I mean, as soon as he got out, uh, our season has already been awful. But when he was out, we looked even worse. So my my personal opinion will be go after go after a big if you could. Um, and I don't know if you know Luca or any or is ready or Chemezi's ready. I'm not sure about all that, but I would say go after a big. Going after a big and free agent. That's, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think when LaMarcus went down, we're all kind of like, like, yes, like, all right, cool, man. Let's give, let's, let's unleash Jakob. You know what I mean? Let's see what he's done, how he's developed. Cause I think to give credit to Jakob, I mean, I think he developed a hell of a lot over the last off season. And I yeah. think that, that he didn't get the chance to show us how much he did develop. Um, so I was really excited. And then when he went down, you know, we're, 
we were small. We're Trey Lyles, you know, we're Drew Ebanks can't come in for a couple spot games here and there. And, and it hurt us defensively. And I think that's what you were talking about, uh, Destin. Defensively, we went down the hole when, when our bigs uh, stopped defending the rim. So, uh, Harrison, I'll throw it to you next. Um, this offseason priorities, I mean, there's, there's plenty. There's plenty. There, that's no doubt. But if you're the GM, what's number one on your agenda? Uh, number one is let Marco Bellinelli walk. <laughs> I'm going to throw that out there. Uh, I love Marco. I do still think he has a place in this league. I just think this team needs to revamp the direction it goes. Uh, I'll be a bit different here. Uh, one thing that uh, intrigues me is Golden State has a $17.7 million trade exception from getting rid of Andre Godala. So essentially they can trade for somebody and give them nothing in return. Uh, Possibly a pick, though. So uh, I think if we get to the draft, we got to see where Golden State picks. Um, if not, I wouldn't mind sending Rudy Gay over to them. He uh, he's friends with the Warriors guys. He makes fourteen million. Send him over there. They could use somebody like him. Give us a second round pick or something, and that frees up a spot. Uh, and like Destin was saying, go after a big. I'll expound upon that. I think they need to go after, like we talked about Christian Wood, but multifaceted players. So, you know, guys who can shoot, drive, pass, score, kind of like we had on that 2014 team, because Mm -hmm. as it is, you know, I say trade Rudy, I love the guy, but you know, his outside game falters at time. He's a mid range slasher player, not the greatest distributor. We have too many one trick ponies on this team. Same with Marco. Um, And I'll, get into it later, but I think make an offer to Forbes on a team friendly deal. Uh, we have another question about that, that I'll expound upon my reasoning, but, uh, and yeah, I think the big thing is just multi-talented, multi-ability players that can space the floor, you know, hit shots over contested, uh, defensive contest, just in case, you know, the defense falters guys who are okay, not standing out and taking a star role, but, working for the better of the team. Uh, so yeah, we're in concurrence there. Yeah. I mean, that's very interesting. I think Rudy Gay is definitely like the, one of the pieces on the board for us to, to worry about this off season. And, you know, like you said, I loved Rudy Gay. I was really hyped on Rudy. I was very happy for Rudy Gay last year when we gave him that contract because he, he had just balled out. Like he had just had a great season. Um, but then the Spurs did what they did with Pau Gasol and, and projected your two years later you're the next two years of your payroll based on what you did and not what you're going to do for us in the future and um and I love Rudy but isn't I thought about this a lot this season you guys you guys tell me if I'm if I'm wrong I thought I thought that isn't Rudy Gay just Carmelo without the ego a little bit a little less of a shot too like is, um, is, 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 is it, they get the same doesn't Rudy Gay get the same looks I guess that's the way I should put it he gets the same looks that Carmelo gets when he's on the floor, but Carmelo needs the status. He needs the starting spot. He needs the touches and all those things where Rudy Gay just has a similar game. That's not really meant for today's NBA. And every time Rudy Gay's on the floor. Cause back in Memphis, that's who they kept comparing him to. Oh, he's going to mm-hmm. be the next Anthony and carry that scoring load. It's like yeah. you said, it just doesn't translate well to 2020. No, no, it doesn't. And, and it hurt us and it hurt us a lot. Um, Maddie, uh, we'll go to you next off season agenda. What's priority number one? Yeah, I think Harrison hit the nail on the head when he was talking about too many one-trick ponies. I mean, Rob, I was on your podcast uh, last Saturday or uh, whenever it was, and that's exactly what we talked about. We just have 
too many guys, particularly, you know, on the defensive end that just don't have offer anything. And, you know, I think you see that a lot in, you know, Bryn Forbes, Marco Bellinelli, and, you know, even Patty Mills. Like, you know, I, like I like Patty's veteran presence, obviously, but, you know, looking more specifically at like Marco Bellinelli and Bryn Forbes, I mean, Bryn Forbes, third in the minutes on the, on the team. And yet, if you look at every defensive metrics, he's one of the worst defenders in the league. I mean, the guy can't guard his lunch money from a fifth grader, like I, t- like I said. So, you know, I, like I said on your podcast, they need more versatile defenders, guys that can switch anywhere on the perimeter. And I think they have that, you know, with the young guys in the backcourt. I think Lonnie and Keldon can switch in the perimeter. I think DeJounte and Derek have obviously proven themselves as, you know, top-tier perimeter defenders. I think Jakob Pertl is an excellent defender in the post. So he's a, I think he was fourth in the league, actually, in opponent's field goal percentage at the rim. So it was like Giannis, Brooke Lopez, Robin Lopez, which is crazy to have three players on the same team for the Bucks, And then Jakob Pertl was fourth, I think, his opponent field goal percentage at the rim was like 45-some percent. So that's insane. But, you know, as far as offseason agenda goes, they just – they need to go – they need to get back to their, you know, defensive ways and defense being a staple of their team. And, you know, to even go even further, they really need to get back an identity. I think, you know, you look at all the best teams in the league, they have an identity. Yeah, and, you know, talking to any Spurs fan, you know, what's the Spurs' identity? Are they, a, you know, a great offensive team? Are they a great de- defensive team? Are they shooters? It, they don't have an identity. They don't have any of that. You know, last year even, you could argue that they had an offensive identity. They had a top five um, team offensive efficiency-wise. They had, you know, four guys off the bench shoot 40% or around 40% from three in uh, Rudy, Marco, Bryn, or sorry, Rudy, Marco, Patty Mills, and Davis Bertans. And so, you know, you see a lot of regression from some of those guys this year. We lost Davis. So, you know, they really just need to get back to the, their old, you know, their old ways of having defense being a staple. They need to get more the versatile defenders on the perimeter. You know, I think they have decent rim protectors as they is right now. You know, like if Dustin said, I wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't be mad about going after another center in free agency or the draft or whatever the case may be. So they just need to get back to their identity. And their identity is defense. Yeah, each, each uh, topic that you guys threw out, right now is absolutely crucial and i think we're all looking at at this question like okay besides demar besides you know lamarcus you know where else on our team do we need uh what else on our team do we need to address and i think y'all hit it on the head honestly i was gonna say our free agents you know we got to figure out what we're gonna do with with Jakob. are we gonna bring it back are we gonna commit to him and and the same thing with Bryn forbes can he can we you know <clears throat> peter holt rc buford you know charm him into taking a a team-friendly deal I hope so um but I feel like priority-wise it's it's defense like like you said and we have those tools already on us we have Keldon we have Derek White you know DeJounte some of the probably top defenders on the perimeter in the league already uh so young so so bringing back our free agents deciding what we're going to do with those would be mine all right so let's go ahead and go on to the next question what is up, Spurs Nation? Rob from Bucking Spurs here. On behalf of Maddie from Spurs Fan Blog, Destin from Clan the Spurs Fan, and Harrison from San Antonio Spurs Talk on Facebook, we want to thank you for being a Spurs fan and representing your team and supporting our channels. Just a reminder, you can get all your Bucking Spurs content and gear at BuckingSpurs.com where we're working on new film rooms for you guys, new podcasts and live streams to come soon. Um, if you're wondering what all this OOC stuff is about, let me give it to you simple. Um, the Avengers have assembled. Uh, we have our own standalone movies, but every once in a while we come together to do some work for you guys out there for Spurs Nation. So the OOC, the Order on the Court channel, is our collaboration content. We're bringing you free 
uh, live stream shows and mailbags every month. We also have a lot more live and premium content coming to you in the future. So you can check out the website at OOCSpurs.com to see how our subscriptions work and how you can get access to exclusive member-only community of uh, Order on the Court where we do Spurs giveaways and and we do a lot of special Spurs content that isn't going to be on our YouTube channel for everyone to see. So, of course, we can uh, we'll all still be working on our own individual content. But when we get together, court is in session. So if you're in need of some representation, uh, step into the courtroom with us and welcome to OOC. All right, Spurs Nation, we're going on to our next question. This one comes to you from Bucking Spurs Instagram page from underscore Monsi underscore. Uh, the other day on Instagram, I posted a, uh, I reposted a video of Steven Jackson talking about Steven, Steve Kerr. I don't know if, I don't know if y'all saw that. He has that new podcast show on the, on the, on Showtime called All the Smoke, I think. So, um, Steven, this question, if Steven Jackson would have kept his cool and stuck around, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that he had, he would have helped the Spurs win another title in 2013. People forget that he was let go literally days before the playoffs. Now I know we're kind of we're kind of jumping back in the time machine here, um, but at the same time, this is a very fun question. I felt like very. I think everyone has their own opinion on Stephen Jackson when he was here with the Spurs, and some people separate what he did after and you know what he did while he was here. Some people don't, and that's totally fine. It's all up to you guys. But let's go ahead and throw it to you, Destin, first. Uh, what do you think about Stephen Jackson and? Could he help? Could if he helped us win another title in 2013? Um, man, that's hard to say. I mean, in 2013, it's not like we were a piece away or anything. We literally just messed it up. I mean, you, we started missing free you, well, throws. Well, hold on, real quick, Clan. Let me ask you: yeah. Was it 2012? It was 2012. I think is what she meant, right? Oh, 2012. Right, because 2013 oh. was was the Miami Heat, right? So. No worries, oh. Monty. We got you. 2012. Okay. 2012 is when we lost to uh, the Thunder, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. I don't think he – But me personally, I don't think he would have helped us because against that Thunder series, I mean, it was – how it ended, I remember it was Ibaka, like, shooting, like, crazy amount of shots. Um, I mean, we just – we were just killed. And I, I just feel like I'm a believer of, like, if you're bringing that – that type of drama. Cause I believe that the problem with Steven Jackson was that he wanted to get more minutes than Manu. Right. Cause wasn't he having some issues with the amount know, of time that Manu was getting? I don't know if it was him or Kawhi. You know what? Right now we're all kind of like jumping through this time machine together. I can see it on all of our yeah. faces. Did he start the 2013 season with us? Cause I remember him playing against OKC. Didn't he play in the playoffs against OKC or no? Uh, I, I don't think he was part of that that season to be honest because uh we traded Richard Jefferson for him and then he was I think he was kicked out right before the 2012 playoffs okay because uh that's uh we signed Tracy McGrady in the 2013 season to kind of fill his spot mm-hmm. okay so Destin any final thought on yeah. Steven Jack yeah I, I feel I, I would say no I mean I know that he he did uh contribute quite a bit um maybe we could have used him but I feel like as far as like jumping to what we have won a championship that year, I, I can't I can't jump on that on that wagon. Maybe it's easy because we did win in 2014 where I could just say that. 
but at the same time, he was bringing some type of drama, and it just wasn't fitting with the team. And you know, I I thought that it was it had to do with Manu, mm-hmm. but you know, even if it had to do with you know any player him having a problem with it, I thought that was just kind of uh, crazy. I know that he said that. Now I do remember this. All right, now I'm starting to remember a little bit. He ended up saying that Popovich wanted him to go to Manu and tell Manu that he was better than him or something like that. Like, that's in Steven Jackson's words. That mm-hmm. That's what Pop wanted. And he was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then that kind of led to even more friction. They said, all right, we got to let you go. Um, but, yeah, I'm just a believer that drama and all that, it just wouldn't have really helped us or manifested itself well. I mean, if he was on the team, we still would have won in 2012. Who's to say that he would have been – you know, fully on board with the way that we were doing things in 2013 or 2014. So I think that the way that everything kind of shaped out, you know, when it came into 2014, it worked out perfectly. Everybody was on board. There was no drama. Everybody was, you know, all the way in. Um, You know, they were happy with their rotations. Everyone knew their role. So, yeah, if ideally if he would have accepted that role at the time, yeah, he probably would have won. But I don't know. I mean, Stephen Jackson was a, was a handful at that time around that period. Yeah. I, real quick before before we throw it to you, Harrison, um, you brought up the trade for him and Richard Jefferson. A little tidbit. I'm a toot. I'm a toot my own horn here for a second. <laughs> Y'all know Michael DeLeon from Project Spurs. All right. So I was in college at that time during that season. I was still in college, and I interviewed Michael for like uh, uh, some class that I was doing. And I had told him like months before the trade happened, I was like, you know what, man, I, I just feel like I feel like Steven Jackson might be a guy that we need. I think we need to get rid of RJ and, and bring in Steven Jackson. He was like, no, nah, man, all the drama, all the nonsense. I'm like, yeah, but but Pop might be able to keep him under control. And I was like, the only reason why I say this is because and it was a lot of like what I thought the same thought process I thought about Keldon this year was how he just has what we need. You know, and I felt like that year, too, it was just like Steven had that rough tough and you know Marcus Morris attitude that that team needed like RJ was just too soft he wasn't going to start nothing he was just out there doing his thing but we needed that guy to kind of get after it and and like about a month later the trade happened so I had to tweet at Michael and be like hey man I called that (laughs) you know what I mean um but Harrison what are your thoughts on stack five if he was uh could we have gotten another ring if he had kept his cool I mean obviously he would have helped to have a guy on that a team of that caliber, but I just, I don't know. Uh, watching our collapse against the Thunder uh, in that postseason, I mean, we were up 2 nothing, weren't we, and then lost four straight. Uh, I mean, they, they flat out killed us. And you're looking at, you know, yeah, Steven Jackson's a good defender and a solid three-point shooter, but, I mean, OKC had, you know, three future MVPs on that team. And, I mean, Westbrook was killing Tony Parker with his athleticism and speed. And then James Harden's giving Manu fits off the bench at the same time. And then, you know, we're struggling. We've got a rookie, Kawhi Leonard, trying to defend, you know, prime Kevin Durant coming into his prime, in fact. And, you know, Tim Duncan's got his hands full with the leading shot blocker in the league and Ibaka at the time. I mean, and then they had Perkins as their center, who's another good defensive guy. It's it's just, yeah, it would have helped to have a guy like that on the team. But I also think that you have to look at you know, the domino effect. If 
he gets put in there to help guard Durant, I think we still probably lose. And then Kawhi Leonard misses out on valuable experience guarding a high-level player like that, which he then takes into the next season against LeBron. And then, you know, the following season against the same guy. I mean, you know, Boris Diaw gets minutes and then he guards LeBron in the the next two finals. So I think, yeah, sure, he would have helped the team some, but I, I don't think that's a guaranteed title with him on it. I think him leaving opens up room for guys to do what they did and get us that title in 2014. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Maddie, any final thoughts on Stack 5? But no, we're talking about uh, that 2012 series against the Thunder because he was in that series. He did play in that series. Mm-hmm. Okay, so making sure I got everything. Yeah, because he did play. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he was, yeah, I was just pulling up the stats and he was off the bench and he had a decent series that year. But, um, you know, if I remember that series right, I mean, James Harden killed us off the bench. I remember he shot very well from three pointer and just drove me insane. Um, you know, as far as you know, how he could have helped us in the, you know, on, next few years I don't really know how you can say whether or not he would have um I prefer drama free locker rooms and I'm not saying you know he would have for sure caused drama but you know I think you look at some of the stuff he said that hasn't been popular amongst Spurs fans I think there's been there's a little saltiness there oh yeah he's not a he was I think what he say like was he the one that said we would have won like eight championships if it wasn't for Manu was that him (laughs) He said he was better than Manu. I remember last summer. Yeah. Last summer he did. Yeah, I, I think he's just a guy that just needs to kind of has to have the spotlight. And I think he was very salty after the Spurs cut him and then the Spurs went on to win a championship. So it was like, I mean, I'd be, I'd be pissed too. So, you know, he was a good player for the Spurs. I never had any problems with him. You know, when they, uh, when they got Richard Jefferson, I wasn't, you know, freaking out or anything. But mm-hmm. whether he would have helped us in 2013 – I don't think so. I think, you know, he did a good job with the Spurs, and it's just, I just leave it at that. Yeah, you, I, I think most of Spurs Nation feels the same way. It's like, yeah, we compartmentalize 2003, uh, Stephen Jackson, and we kind of like to keep it there until he opens his mouth and starts saying all this nonsense. But you know what? Like, I, I, like you, I have nothing against Stephen Jackson. I actually really like Stephen Jackson. I, I like the cut of his jib. I like his attitude. I love his swag. I like how... He's that type of player that thinks no one can guard him. Like, no one now, no one ever, no one in the future, no one can guard me. I'm that good. And even though, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, you know, like, relax. Sometimes that's what it needs to – that's the attitude you need to kind of take your game to the next level and kind of have that mentality. And and even though he kind of – you know, he was just a role player and all that stuff for the most part, um, yeah, I don't think he would have helped us win any more championships, especially because of the young budding uh, Kawhi Leonard – that was about to take his minutes. If he was mad about Manu taking some of his minutes off the bench, it was, it was about to get worse. And I don't think, I don't think it was going to be a good fit for him. All right. So let's go ahead and go on to the next question. This next question comes from Spurs fan blog. Uh, and the question comes from Coos 86. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. C O O S E 86. And the question reads, what veteran free agent should we pursue if, any. All right, so Maddie, this one comes from your blog. Let's go ahead and throw this one at you first. Yeah, actually, I'm going to ask you guys because I'm not really 100% certain what veteran free agents are out there. I know one, the big one, or one of the bigger ones is like Marcus Saul. Um, I, I don't really know any other ones that are out there right now or that will be out there in a few months. Do you guys know of any old veteran free agents? 
Uh, DeMar DeRozan might be one of them. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Hold on. Let, let me see really quick. If, if there's a position that, that you want to fill with free agency, right? You're bringing in a vet, mm-hmm. expecting that you don't have to spend the time developing, developing him, very much like Trey Lyles did for us this season. Um, what position do you think the Spurs need to fill at, with free agency? Well, if you're going to bring in a free agent um, veteran, I would prefer more of a back or a front court. I think mm. I don't want I don't want another uh, back court veteran taking away minutes from you know Keldon Keldon or oh, Keldon's more of a front court, but uh, Dejounte and Derek. I think you know a veteran big like you know I'm not saying we're going to get Marcus Home, but I think a guy like that would be great. You know, especially to mentor Jakob, um, you know, this would probably be assuming we'd get rid of uh, LaMarcus Aldridge or trade him for somebody. Mm-hmm. So, if yeah, if it was me, I would try to pursue a free agent veteran for the front court. Um, but, you know, that's just me. I don't really – I don't think – I thought Damari Carroll was a great addition last year to the small forward position, but, you know, look how that ended up. So, I, I want yeah. someone that, you know – can you know contribute right away obviously but like like the, like christian wood 13.1 points yeah 6.3 rebounds yeah i mean he's a four-year vet you know yeah. not he has not a he hasn't been in the league a ton but yeah mm-hmm. no I, I love a christian wood i love a marcus saw i think i saw paul Millsat with a free agent too mm-hmm. um yeah he is tristan thompson is, I'm, I'm, tristan, uh yeah. Derek favors aaron baines Derek is gonna favors. be a free agent again uh, bring back the australian hammer yeah, you got Marcus Saul, yeah, so yeah. Serge Ibaka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you can get a, a free agent front court guy. Hey, what do you I'm think about this it, name, dude? What do you think about uh, Jeremy Grant? Wasn't he the one the that Nuggets? played? Yeah, didn't he play for OKC? The Is that the same yep. Grant? Yeah. Yep. What, what yeah, about him? I, I like I like him too. I mean, he's a he's one of those versatile guys that we talked about. He can defend multiple positions on defense. He can play multiple positions on offense. So. You know, I'm all for it. He's not really a superstar guy that's going to put up superstar numbers, but, you know, he's an excellent role guy, and I think if he can accept his role on this team, that he could be a major asset. Yeah, I think he's – I don't know much – I've seen him play, you know, in spurts, but he's another one of those guys that's like, I'm not scared of any moment. I remember that one – the first game, I think, against the Warriors when Kevin Durant switched teams. I think he was the one that that was guarding him for the most part, and he was the most aggressive guy on the floor for a little while. So, uh, Destin, let's go ahead and throw it to you next, man. Um, free agent or for bringing in a veteran into the Spurs locker room, who would you like to see or what position would you like to fill? I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the free agents right now. Um, personally, uh, my dream has always to have Gordon Hayward. I'm just, I'm just like a huge Gordon Hayward person. Ever since I saw him with the Utah Jazz, I'm like, dude, this dude, he plays like, I don't know. It, it just felt like a more smooth, more polished mellow without the without the ego kind of similar to what you said about Rudy Gay you know he doesn't really fit as much but I don't know it's just something about Gordon Hayward his attitude and his approach to the game where it's like man I could see him in a Spurs uniform Mm -hmm. um but as far as more realistic because I know he will probably be pretty expensive I would guess um because he's making quite a bit right now Mm -hmm. um if we could get Jamal Crawford or something like that. I think that would be a cool just player to grab and somebody that is familiar with DeJounte because they have the same frame. They have the same uh, length, like the exact same, actually, with height and wingspan. Mm. Um, and then, you know, he mentored him before. I, I think that would be a cool player to have just 
you know, to be there for DeJounte. And we were talking about, uh, I know Maddie was talking about identity crisis that we have. Mm-hmm. And that's just completely true. And I think somebody like Jamal Crawford can add on to that more hard uh, exterior that, that we need, you know, that, that, that toughness, that level of um, attention to detail that's going to go out there and be fearless. Because right now, it's so many different types of players. Uh, I think all of them get along as far as off the court. I'm sure all of them are friends and all that. But as far as on the court and what this team is, I have no idea. And I have, I had no idea what this team was for a few seasons now. Um, so I think that having a player like that might be able to help just for the, the attitude and grooming DeJounte because my biggest gripe with DeJounte is uh, offensively because I feel like he could – he has the – frame to end up being a really good score uh but sometimes you know he has a hard time utilizing it so that yeah. that would be that would be uh my picks so i'm looking at gordon hayward right now he has a 34.2 million dollar player option this so very very similar to like what the demar situation is over here that's kind of what they're going for over there and i love gordon hayward too i love that that uh scenario but i want utah gordon hayward you know it's like i don't want Boston Gordon Hayward and I definitely don't want San Antonio Gordon Hayward where he's going to take even more of like oh I'm going to move the ball more I'm going to take a season or two to get adjusted and all that stuff if we could have like Utah Gordon Hayward put him in here yeah that's that's dirty um Harrison let's throw it to you next free agency I'll go with a couple small names uh because you know, obviously there's our giants we'd like to chase and all that mm-hmm. but uh Two that jump out to me, uh, Sacramento declined their team option on Harry Giles a few months ago. And that was just kind of puzzling because he's been healthy this season. Uh, he was putting up double-digit points and rebounds when he was getting good minutes. And, I mean, on, on the season, he's only playing about 15 minutes a game, and he's averaging about five points, three rebounds. Uh, so pretty solid numbers for him. He'd also come cheap because uh, he doesn't have a lot of – you know, sample size to look at in terms of games played and all that. Uh, and I think with our medical staff looking after him and getting him some good time, there's another multifaceted big you could have in the lineup. Um, I mean, the guy was a projected number one overall pick a couple years ago. He's insanely talented. And he's a good kid. Um, and then the second that gets to me is uh, Tory Cray. It's, uh, he's on a expiring $2 million a year contract right now. I mean, he puts up, you know, six, three, and one per game, about 15 minutes the same. You know, his his role's decreased in Denver now that Michael Porter Jr.'s been healthy and he's playing, so he might be looking for a little bit bigger role. I mean, you, you offer him five, six million a year. That's a guy that can come in, shoot about 35% from three. He does what Forbes is doing for us right now, but with better defense, and same with Bellinelli, and you're getting – you know, the price is two for one. So uh, I think those are two small names to look at. You know, obviously the big ones, you, you got DeRozan um, and all of that. But uh, it's going to be a tight year for free agency for us if DeRozan does opt in. So I think we're going to have to look at those lower tier names that can kind of round out our bench. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a name out here that that for some reason it just fits with everything that I see the Spurs needing uh Otto Porter Jr. from Phoenix I feel like when when he's been in Phoenix he's been more aggressive he's had that killer instinct every time we play him he looks like he's he takes it personal for some reason I don't know what so I like to see those games against Phoenix even though they're just kind of throwaway games he had a really good two or three seasons now 
um, his option is worth about $28.5 million. So again, like he is getting paid a lot. Uh, but he's someone that I would like to see the dynamic shift. Like you talk about identity, we need toughness. We know all you throw Otto Porter Jr. in on a court, you know, going up against Keldon or some of these other, you know, top rate defenders. And I can really see the competitive level just going through the roof. And I feel like that's something that we didn't have this year. It's just, we just weren't competitive. You know, we, we, for consistently, consistently, we were uncompetitive. Didn't matter who we played against. No team was scared to play us this season. I feel like if we're going to go after a free agent, let's get a free agent who has that kind of swagger, uh, competitive nature that we like so much and that we need so much here in San Antonio. All right. So let's go on. Let's go ahead and move on to the next question. The next question comes to you guys from the San Antonio Spurs talk Facebook page. And the question is, what should the Spurs do with the one, the undrafted Brent Forbes? Uh, Harrison, this is your question. Let's go ahead and throw it to you first, bud. Yeah, so uh, earlier I said the Spurs should extend an offer to him at least. Um, and I, I'm one of the few, I think, who's in favor of keeping him in some capacity. If you look at his split stats, he's shooting about 43% in a catch-and-shoot situation. My problem with Forbes is I think a lot of times, you know, he's he's got that chip on his shoulder because he was undrafted and he's worked his way up. I think he tries to do a little too much. This year we've seen him in on-ball situations where he's trying to size up defenders. And he's a very good player, but he's just not there where he can, you know, we've talked about Carmelo, we've talked about Harden where he can, you know, hit him with some dribble moves and then pull up from three. It's just not going to happen. He's more of an off-ball, you know, move type of player that can catch and spot up. Uh, His defense is a liability. That's never going to go away. But he's one of those, I think if we can surround him with other good defensive players, that'll tend to drop. Uh, you look at Tony Parker in the day, never a great defender, but we've got Manu, Kawhi, Duncan, all those guys. And I think we've got some you know, young guys who we've talked about, Keldon, Lonnie, DeJounte, Derek, all fantastic defenders. Uh, so if you can hide him in there, convince him to quit dribbling so much, and most of all, it's got to be a team-friendly deal. Uh, I don't want to pay 10 to $12 million for Bryn Forbes and have another – Patty Mills contract where people aren't cool with it until the last year. You know, I want someone who can come in, help us, who's cool if he doesn't play a lot of minutes and all that, but who can contribute when he gets the chance. Uh, otherwise, I think they they might have to let him go. Yeah, I I, I agree with everything that you just said, uh, Matt. Any any do you feel similar, different? Some. Yeah, no, I, I agree with both of you guys. I mean, we talked about it, Rob, in your podcast. I, I think um, I think he can be a, a an important part of this team you know like uh he's a good shooter he had a i was just looking up the stats last year he was a 43 percent shooter from beyond the arc you know this year's numbers have gone down a little bit um his uh points total is still like around 11 points per game um so i, I do think he can have a place in this team i do think he has a place in this league but you have to manage his minutes better and it's like harrison said you have to have the right guys around him you can't pair him with a defensive liability like demar Derozan and uh for you know 25 minutes a game and that's two huge defensive liabilities like in the backcourt right there. And he's like, like we said earlier, he's just a one trick pony. He's one dimensional. He's a shooter. And I think Spurs fans are so frustrated, especially in the start of the year for a, a 
decent amount of time he wasn't shooting well so it was just we're all just sitting there staring at our screens like why the heck is this guy on the court for 25 plus minutes a game if he's not doing the one thing he's good at doing and you know we got guys like DeJounte Murray and Derek White playing less minutes than him we got Lonnie Walker and Keldon Johnson on the bench it just it makes no sense so you know having said that I, I do think he's a great you know addition to the team if he's used utilized correctly you know, that's why I've been, me and so many other Spurs fans out there have been very critical of Popovich and his, you know, minutes and rotations because when you have a guy like Brent Forbes on your team, you have to be very careful about how you're managing his minutes and your rotations around him. And, mm-hmm. you know, the same thing goes for some other players, including DeMar DeRozan. Um, so, yeah, it's, if we can resign him and keep, you know, keep that shooting, hopefully in a off-the-bench 15 minutes type of role, I'm all for it. But, you know, it's like Harrison said, it has to be a team-friendly deal. I don't want to pay him you know patty mills money just the same as anybody else so Mm. if you can keep him keep him but you know make sure it's for the right price yeah uh, absolutely man uh destin i i i don't think there are many people higher coming into this season on Bryn forbes and than you were uh i know after last playoff after the last playoff run he went up a couple points in your book um so going through this season i'm sure was a little difficult for everyone but uh what are your thoughts on on uh, on Brent Forbes this offseason? Yeah, uh, going back to last season, you know, in that game seven, that's that was huge to me. Um, just how he played in that game, down the stretch, and his his um, demeanor after the game. I was like, this dude, if he had a bigger body, he uh, to me he would be a monster. Uh, but yeah, this season. Uh, I don't blame him so much. I think all of us kind of going or getting at it. It's it's more so like the reliancy on him. You know, it's it's like we're just too reliant on Bryn Forbes to the point where we're running a lot of plays through him. Um, and if that doesn't work, then our offense just looks awful for that stretch. Um, his defense, uh, we're putting him in terrible situations. Where and and I I think the thing that's most frustrating about this season rather than last season, is last season we had Bryn Forbes, but we all understood that we had some injuries and we didn't have, you know, the best team that we could have had last season. But coming into this season, we were expected to be better defensively, but instead of playing a lot of the defensive guys that we did have for good stretches, like discovering that Keldon Johnson is a great defender by the end of the season, it's kind of ridiculous and putting Bryn Forbes in that situation where we have these defenders that we could help mask it somewhat. We never did. So uh, as far as Bryn Forbes concerned, I do notice that he added to his game, um, get into the paint. Um, his floaters look way better. Uh, it's almost automatic to every time I see him in the paint or about to do a floater, it, it goes in. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm high on Bryn Forbes. I think that he's going to, help us uh, big time. But right now, the only reason why we hate seeing him so much is because we're way too reliant on him. He's, he's not a star player or a starter, really. And, and he was only a starter last season because he had to be. So, yeah. I, I, and I think also going into the season before last, into last season, it was such a huge jump till we were all high on him. And then kind of expecting the same – this season, it just hasn't been. I mean, as far as his stats, it's kind of still the same. But, it, I mean, he it's pretty obvious that him and the team have, have looked awful this season. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's my take on it. Keep them. 
Yeah, I agree with with you guys. He's an asset. Shooting's always going to be in the an asset in this in this league. Um, you know, I I guess it all comes down to what your expectations are. You know, like last last season, we didn't have any expectations for uh, Brent Forbes. This season, we had high expectations because he showed us last year that we can rely on him. That the coaching staff can rely on him. He can hit big shots. He has that defensive um, swagger. Yeah, he can't really guard the best but he tries you know like he's he's gonna put all of his effort his body on the line and that's something that that we love to see and that's why this coming into this season it was such a big disappointment because we didn't see him uh we didn't see that out of him consistently and I think that like everyone's right it's got to be a team-friendly deal but I think what most people are forgetting is like man he had a lot of pressure on him this year he had a lot of pressure on him last year because of circumstance. He had a lot of pressure on him this year because it was a contract year and he got the starting spot and he was given the minutes. So it's like, Hey, you know, everything's the balls in your court, like metaphorically, whatever, literally the ball was in Bryn Forbes court this season underperformed with it. Like y'all said, I don't I'll put that on Bryn as well. I mean, Davis got paid what $7 million a year for three, four years. And he came off the bench you know, shooting, just, you know, our shooter. So I don't understand why we can't, you know, work something out with Bryn, but I think it's the best interest for both parties involved to do a a team friendly deal. I think that Bryn Forbes needs the Spurs a lot more than the Spurs need Bryn Forbes. I, I would hate, man, I would hate to see Bryn Forbes just be another guy that we developed that no one knew about plays well with us, leaves to another team, ends up being out of the league in about two or three seasons. I can easily see that happen with Bryn Forbes. And I don't want to. Like, I don't want to see that happen. He's young. He's still, like, what, 26? So 26 years old. He's got a good four, five, six years in front of him. He's a shooter. If he can turn to a J.J. Redick type of role, come off the bench. You know your role. You're sniper. We're going to put you in the best lineups to get him open shots, things like that then he'll flourish, but he can't flourish in, in this role that we gave him this year. And I, that's on coaching staff. I'm sorry. That's on the coaching staff. Um, but they, they see more than we do. They see him in practice. They're probably like, Hey man, Bryn, Bryn can go. Just didn't really work out for one reason or another this year. All right. Next question comes to us from Spurs wave on Instagram. And it's the, the biggest domino this offseason for the Spurs, we have to figure out if we're going to knock it over or if we're just going to leave it right there where it is, and that's DeMar DeRozan. Uh, so, Destin, this one came from from your account on, on Instagram. What are your takes on the, you know, the really heavy-weighted rock that are on our shoulders right now, and that's DeMar DeRozan's contract situation? Yeah, I know, I know you were not huge on uh, DeMar DeRozan, like, at all. And I was <laughs> – I was, I was cheering for him, man. I was, I was right there. But this season, it's not that he played bad because DeRozan was probably the best part of this team this season, sadly mm-hmm. enough. Um, but, yeah, it is some stuff where I see from him. And I know one thing that you mentioned, and I never really thought about it, and it was, you know, how does he fit long-term, but then how does he even fit short-term? And it's not his fault or uh, even really the Spurs' fault. It's not really much we could have done. We were put in a really bad situation. We made the best out of it. Um, So as far as what we should do with DeRozan, to me, I I don't really care. I would – 
if it meant that the young guys would get more minutes, I would let them go. That's just me. Just just so we can, you know, open up some space, get some new pieces in, let the young guys go. Because at this point, I don't really know how he fits anymore. You know, he, he doesn't, like you say, doesn't fit short term, doesn't fit long term. Uh, his style of play isn't that great. He doesn't fit our identity. Like Maddie said, like it's, it's just, I don't know where he fits anymore. So, it, it, yeah, I love the guy, but I would, I would much rather just let him go or try to try to trade him. Maybe they can figure something out. He signed back and we trade him. I don't know, but that's, that's what I would, that's what I would do with that. All right. Uh, Harrison, what, what would you do if you were the GM right now and, and you had DeMar DeRozan's contract on your desk and you got to make some decisions? Right now, I'm waiting to see whether or not he opts in or out. Because if he opts in, we're, we're kind of stuck right there. And frankly, yeah, everybody's talking about trade. You're not going to find a trade partner for a $27 million contract easily. Uh, look at Kawhi Leonard. His was an $18 million contract, which is you know now kind of a starter contract, not just a star contract. And it took months to find a deal for him. Uh, so assuming he opts out, um, kind of in the same boat where I really like DeMar. I think he's a great teammate. I think he's a fantastic player. It's just tough looking at the log jam because I don't like him playing small forward, uh, especially defensively. He's too small to keep up with the, the bigger guys at that position. He's not great at spacing. And then I talked earlier about DeJounte's numbers at the point guard spot, DeRozan started slow and DeJounte's numbers were incredible. And you notice we were number one in the West at that time where DeJounte's, you know, taking the main load for our team. Uh, and then you look at Derek White, his minutes are the same this year as last year and his numbers have increased. I think he gets one more minute per game than he did last year as a starter. Now he's coming off the bench. He's playing better. So, I mean, I think it's clear – we're going to have to get those guys time. And if you were to move DeRozan from small forward to shooting guard, well, then what are you going to do with you? You got Patty Mills on contract. You got White. You got Murray. You have Walker. You have Johnson who can play both. You have Weatherspoon in the G League. It's just, I mean, if we bring back Forbes, we got him at that spot. There's there's too many people there to shove down. Um, and like I said, there's just too much conflict at that small forward spot. So, I wouldn't be mad if he opted in. I love the guy. I think he's a great player. But I also think just moving forward, the way our team wants to go, you know, we drafted Samanich as a kind of inside-outside threat who can space. And I think we're looking for some pure shooters to, at least from what I've seen, the direction the team's going, they're looking to get some pure shooters and spacers around DeJounte, have him facilitate the offense and give him you know, a five-out spread to kick out to. And we've seen that with Lyles, Aldridge at times, even though he struggled. Uh, even Pirtle stepped out and hit a few. But DeRozan, Gay, those kind of guys, it's just not going to be them. And if it's going to have to be a ball-dominant offense for him going forward, it may just be best to let him walk, see what we can do with that extra cap space this uh, year or even next year when we have a star-studded free agency class. Yeah, I agree. Um, Matty, DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, it's it's a really tough situation. And, you know, especially like Harrison said, if he opts in, it, it just really limits us to any, you know, free agent signings. And it just kind of, you know, 
keeps a cap on this team ceiling, at least for the short term. Um, you know, like everyone, you know, I'm sure I like Demar. I think he gets a bad rap. I think he gets a lot of blame that he doesn't really deserve. And I think after you know, a lot of losses this year, we kind of looked for a scapegoat. And I think he was that scapegoat a lot of times when I think the reality of the situation was there's so many problems with the team this year that you just, you can't point it at any one player or coach. I mean, it's a collective problem as, you know, as a whole. Um, you know, I think the problem with Demar is he's not exactly always the problem, but he's not, this, he's not the solution. And, you know, you and I talked about this in your podcast, Rob, um, you know, like if you're in the front office and you're trying to make a decision with, in regards to Marcus Saldrick and Demar DeRozan, and, you know, who do you keep, who do you, uh, you know, let go. And if it was me up in the front office, I, I mean, this may be an unpopular opinion, but I would keep Lamarcus Aldridge and try to, you know, maybe if you can do a sign and trade with Demar Derozan, otherwise, you know, let him walk and see what you can do with that twenty-seven million dollars in free agency. Uh, you know, a guy like Demar Derozan, you know, he's a very ball dominant player, and he's not someone that can, you know, work off the ball and work, you know, for open shots like a Bryn Forbes or even like a Marco Bellinelli. I mean, he needs to have the ball in his hands to be productive on offense. Now, granted, when he has the ball in his hands, he's very productive. As we've seen, he can facilitate an offense. Uh, he can, you know, he's improved his passing. His assists have gone up since he's been here. His efficiency on offense has gone up. But, you know, at, at what cost when we're, you know, taking reps away from DeJounte Murray and Derek White and Lonnie Walker and Keldon Johnson, you know, giving DeMar 30 minutes a game and we're just still losing. I mean, he had that stretch where he was just playing before the All-Star break. He was playing phenomenal, scoring just mm -hmm. historically good numbers, you know, night in and night out. And we were just losing and losing and losing. And it was just the most frustrating thing. So, and, you know, and I've, I've done it too where after a game, you know, after a loss where he, he wasn't, you know, the biggest problem where I, you know, I kind of want to look to him as a scapegoat. But the reality is, you know, he's, he just, he wasn't our biggest problem. So, but. You know, it's like I said, he's just not the solution, in my opinion. I think if you let DeMar go, you're going to see more reps for Derek White, for DeJounte Murray, for Keldon Johnson, for Lonnie Walker. And, you know, I, I think we've improved defensively. I think we get more ball movement. And I think if you're able to, you know, keep with Marcus Aldridge, maybe extend him just, you know, till the end of his career for, you know, less money, hopefully, that, you know, you keep an all-star level you know, player on your roster to, you know, kind of help mentor the young guys. And, you know, like we said, LaMarcus Aldridge isn't going to be taking away reps from, you know, all the young guys in the backcourt. So if it was me, if it was up to me, if I was in the front office, I would personally, I'd let DeMar walk. But, you know, it's like Harrison said, if we re-sign him, if he opts in, I'm not mad at having, you know, an all-star player like DeMar averaging 20 points in our team. I'm not going to be mad about it, but, you know, I just hope that Spurs have, you know, a plan in mind to, you know, better surround him with the type of players that he needs to be the, the center of our offense. You know, I think they did a pretty good job with that last year, surrounding him with better shooters, guys that can space the floor, guys that can defend, at least somewhat defend. You know, this year I think they've done a really bad job of that. So, you know, if they're going to keep them, if that's their plan, if he opts in, I'm fine with that. But they're going to have to, you know, manage the roster better around him. They're going to have to manage the rotations better around him. And, you know, they're going to be very careful about who they're getting minutes to. You know, like, like we said, Brent Forbes earlier. You can't be pairing them up with Brent Forbes for – 25 plus minutes a night so you know it's all on the front office and what they see and what their plan is for the future and that's why I said this offseason is so important for you know the future of this franchise but you know we'll see what they do listen let me let me start off with saying that I agree with what you guys said about DeMar I think he's a great teammate off the court on the court I know he facilitates and he does some some good things too um, but I think he hurts us with his attitude and stuff like that. But 
Um, a lot of y'all said that you wouldn't be mad if Demar opted in, and I'm just gonna go against the grain here, just to just to go against the grain. But I'd be pissed. I'd be really pissed. Um, and for a few reasons. One, like y'all said, he hurts our development curve. Like our development curve with our young players that we've invested that should be getting these NBA minutes now, he takes that away. Like y'all said already, I don't need to echo that anymore. But that's that's huge with me. And let me tell you why it's huge with me. Homegrown talent over free agents any day of the week, 100%. That's that's my attitude. That's 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 the way that we've done things. That's the way we've been successful from for 20-some years. I appreciate everything DeMar has done for us in the past two seasons. Like you said, uh, Maddie, it's not his fault that he's on the Spurs or he's in this team. This is never for him. This was never supposed to be for him. It was supposed to be for Kawhi. So I don't want to put fault on him in any way. But when it comes to basketball and wins and losses and how we represent ourselves on the court, I feel like he's not a Spurs-type player, and that's fine. He doesn't have to be a Spurs. He's a great player. He's an, he's an all-star, former all-star, all that and above. But if y'all look at the way that Spurs Nation has treated LaMarcus Aldridge and like how they're starting to treat DeMar DeRozan and how much we love DeJounte and Derek and, and how much Spurs Nation is cheering for these young guys to get their time, and it's because I think here we we develop that bond with our homegrown players, and I think our homegrown talent is ready to play. And a lot of our drama over the past three or four seasons have come with our free agents. I mean, despite Kawhi, Kawhi is the exception to the rule, but we have all this free agent drama. We're not good at free agency. Players don't want to come here. That's fine. That's been the norm, right? So we develop. We take the time to develop in Austin, do all these things. And DeMar hurts the the development and it's just kind of that free agency there's no real loyalty i think on both sides whereas this young talent i feel like they're invested in the culture they're invested in the spurs they're invested of what they want to do moving forward they've come in together think about it um there uh dejounte murray Derek white right uh those young guys have been together growing developing together now for a few years we're about to see something special. We're about to see Quindary, Luca, and Keldon Johnson grow together, grow together as players, as friends. You know what I'm saying? Their relationship started at summer league last year. They're walking around Vegas, just them three. They're kicking it, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're having a great time. They're developing that bond. You know what I'm saying? That's going to transfer over to years of success. I feel like down the road. And so I would be more vet, more leaning towards, I hope he doesn't. I hope DeMar DeRozan doesn't opt in and just let's go. Let's go with these young guys. I'll take some growing pains. I'm cool with that. But if he comes back, I just hope that we run it. I was very confident in this team in the beginning of the season. I still am. Uh, it was just like you guys said, the minutes were, I don't know. They, they weren't given to the best maybe player at the position, but maybe who earned who earned it the most. And I think that's like where the Brent Forbes conversation comes in. I think he last season he earned the right to have a full season as a starter, especially in a contract year. So the Spurs do those type things, right? So it's like we're going to give you that loyalty, that opportunity to show what you can do, get your money, get paid, have a great career. But at the same time, you know, I'd rather just run the next five years with our young books. All right, so that's going to be the last question for today's gonna, episode. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Clint. No, I was going to say, I, I agree with you on that as far as the DeMar DeRozan thing. And I, I know that, like, all those players, 
you know, they're grown, you know, technically they're all grown men. But this season I've seen it, especially what you were talking about. I excused it the first season he was with us with some of the attitude stuff um, that's on court, not off court, but on court. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw it a lot this season where I was like, okay, you're still not going to try to get along with the refs. Just, just a little bit, you know, you're just going to attack the refs constantly. And honestly, I think for those, you know, the young guys are just the overall aura of the team. I feel like he's a bad role model just as far as what he does on the court. On the court, because um, I've heard great stories from him off the court, the way he bonds yeah. in the locker room, what he does for the community, and he's great with the coaches. Mm-hmm. He's an ultimate pro. I mean, like this guy's an ultimate pro, but like you said, on the court, he does those little things that lead to losses. You know, it's like, it's not yeah. just like, okay, yeah. like, um, you're going to get a technical and, and whatever. No, like, his mm-hmm. behavior, his antics always... Not always, but sometimes it leads to a lot of games that we could have won by one. I mean, how many games did we lose this season by three or four points? Well, that's no? Almost every one. He gets in the worst mood, and then on top of that, he doesn't want to lose. and So it's just like an endless cycle. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that we're used to here in San Antonio. That's not something that's going to produce good continuity basketball for us for a whole season. We're going to be, we're going to be doing this the whole year with that type of attitude. And, and, and I don't want to, I know he has like the mental health issues and, and all those things that, you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, very respectful about with, with him when he does all these things. I love that he speaks out about all that stuff. Um, but last year getting kicked out of a playoff game for a technical was the non the most non-spursiest thing that you can do because you put yourself before the team at home in a playoff game yeah i just yeah, that's and, a, that, i can't swallow it i just can't and this is my this is my last note on like the whole demar and you brought up a great point rob that i really another thing i want to seem to get back to last year uh, next year is you just you don't see that sense of camaraderie with this team you know, even last year, you know, you had the guys and two years ago, you had the guys, you know, they did flannel Fridays, they did the coffee gang. And, you know, I don't want to you know, sound too corny, but you, there's just, there's just something that needs to be said about that kind of off the court chemistry that I just don't think we saw this year with this team. And I'm not saying that doesn't necessarily mean that like everybody hates each other. You know, I don't, I don't think that's the case. You know, I think we have enough veterans that have been in the league a long time with Patty, LaMarcus, DeMarley. I don't think they hate each other. But you just kind of get the sense of like they're just they don't really seem to you know like to spend time with each other off the court, and that lack of chemistry will show on the court. And I think you know with the young guys, like you said, and you know the guys that have been in the Austin League or in the G League together, they've been grinding for you know a couple of years now. They've been on the same team, they've been playing, getting reps, and practicing, hanging out off the side of the court, like you said in Vegas. You know they'll they're just that bond and they're homegrown. They have the fans at their side, like. I get it. There's just a certain level of talent you need. So I'm not saying, you know, you play the three young guys and we're going to, you know, win another 10 championships, but there is something that needs to be said about, you know, chemistry or, you know, a lack of for this year's team and next year's team. You know, I want to see, you know, get some of that back. I want to see the Spurs Instagram page and Twitter page posting about flannel Fridays or coffee gang or, you know, whatever the new thing is. You know, I, I just, it just every game, it was just kind of like, it just was like a drag, like, oh, let's just get this over with. Like we got so-and-so tonight, like, just you know I want to see that sense of camaraderie come back next year and I don't think you know I don't see that with DeMar a whole lot not that it's his fault just yeah you don't see that a whole lot yeah it's not it's definitely not his fault go ahead uh Dustin I was just going to say not every you know tech is created equal you know so 
I mean, every single time that I've seen DeMar DeRozan get a tech, it has been a really bad tech. I mean, I, I haven't seen him get a tech that was like, you know, he, he did this crazy move and then he's, you know, looking at the player, staring the player down where it's like, oh, you know, that was nasty. No, it, it, it's been it, literally this season he got an and one and then yelled at the ref and got a tech. It was it, like, what are you doing? Like, those are bad techs. Yeah. I hate that. It just drives me crazy, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I don't think that DeMar DeRozan – I, I don't like to give him any slack because I think like when it comes to the way he does like his post media interviews and things like that, he's the ultimate pro. He always, he always keeps like, he separates, you know, business and basketball. A lot this season has uh, reporters have been asking him about, you know, is he thinking about what he wants to do with his contract and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But he's like, nah, I'm here. I'm a spur. Like, of course, like I want to, uh, he, he'll ask like the reporters. He's like, you want to get paid, right? You want to get paid the most you can do for being a reporter, right? And then they're like, yeah, he's like, well, shoot, man, we all here just trying to, you know, get our bread. But at the same time, he was always commenting about the team. And uh, Maddie, you said it's you didn't really see any continuity this season. I mean, you know, you, you played you played at you played at the next level. Uh, it's hard to build continuity when you're not winning games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, w- winning is the absolute cure all medicine. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're losing, you see guys finger pointing. I think we've done a good job overall of that of, you know, not seeing that finger pointing, you know, animosity between the guys. Maybe they kept it a secret, which, you know, if that's the case, good job. But um, I don't think that's the case. You know, I think they've done a good job of just, you know, keeping the locker room together, which I give them credit for. But, um, yeah, no, they, <laughs> yeah, winning, winning will definitely help that, you know, get that sense of chemistry back next year if they can, you know, if they can do that. Yeah, and we just never could go on a long enough run to sustain continuity and 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 sustain chemistry. It was like, oh, we're building chemistry. Boom, three lose uh, three game losing streak. Oh, we won one. All right, let's let's keep it going. Boom, we get knocked back down. So every time we got up, we got knocked back down this season, and that's been the story so far. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and or uh, let me throw it to you, Harrison, really quick. Do you have anything else to add on on Demar? I was just gonna say, you know, losing wears on people, and on top of that, with the continuity thing. You notice as we lost more games, we started experimenting with different rotations. So then you lack rotational continuity. And if you look back at past Spurs teams, there's a consistent pattern to pop substitutions in those seasons. And, I mean, you could almost go about 40 games in the season. You could say, okay, this is the starting five. At the five-minute mark, he's going to sub these two guys in. Then he's going to pull these three guys out and put the rest in. Then start of the second quarter, this is five starts. We've never had that this year. We've had so many different starting five groups, so many different bench groups, G League guys getting thrown in there. So not only do they not know each other off the court, they don't know each other on the court. They're still figuring out how to play. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's – it's just, it was just too much of a carousel this season on on so many different levels. You know, one one level's spinning, the next one down is going fat, whatever. It was just so hard to build anything this season, and and we paid for it. We weren't going to make the playoffs. I, I I was saying it already for about a week or so. It was just you know if we're gonna try to predict the future let's look at the past right and so the past this season did not look pretty good for us. Okay, guys, that was the last question of this episode of. Order on the court mailbag edition. Uh, Harrison, we'll start off with you. Can you let our viewers know where they can find you, subscribe to all the stuff you got going on? 
Yeah, just go to facebook.com slash San Antonio Spurs Talk or search San Antonio Spurs Talk on Facebook and you'll find us with the top option there. Awesome. Dustin, where can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Spurs Wave or Spurs Dynasty, or you can follow me on, or follow, yeah, follow me through YouTube and that's Clan the Spurs fan. Awesome. Maddie, what's going on, man? Where can people look at all the stuff you got going on in Spurs world? Yeah, you can check us out on SpursFanBlog.com. We're trying to get new articles out every week. Harrison's been a big part of that. He's been writing in some pretty incredible articles the past few weeks. Um, we're also on Instagram. It's at SpursFanBlog. You can check us out there and see all our updates and you know, check out our page. All right, guys, Spurs Nation, this next one goes out to you. If you like what you saw today, if you like us getting together talking Spurs basketball, make sure you put a like down in the uh, below. Make sure you subscribe and let us know in the comments below because we're going to be doing more of these mailbags for you. A lot more Spurs content coming to you in the future. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Of course, I'm Rob. You can find everything I do at buckingspurs.com. But most importantly, Spurs Nation, we would like to thank you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for reading our articles. Thank you for commenting, for posting, for liking, retweeting, whatever you do to help grow Spurs Nation. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Um, that message is not just for me, but it's from everyone in this in this uh, mailbag edition to you. So as always, thank you for being a Spurs fan. All right. Adios.